Welcome to the show. I'm Shane Norton, a.k.a. The Sports Car Nobody. And this is a jam-packed episode of The Sports Car Nobody podcast. Strap in. This one's going to go long. Let's just get right into it. First, quick heads up. This is going to be super wrestling heavy. I have an incredible guest on the back end of the show, Tony Vela of WrestlingTradingCards.com co-host of the Worlds Collide podcast, an absolute brilliant, brilliant mind in the wrestling card community. He just hosted a panel at the National. This guy is everywhere doing what he can to push this part of the hobby. So you might want to be a little bit into wrestling cards if you're going to listen to this episode, but stick around because there's a lot of great, great information. Uh, all right, let's just jump right into this because, like I said, I am jam-packed. I want to quickly recap my weekend. If you are following me on any of my social medias, if you listened to the last episode, this was a huge weekend for me as a huge, huge wrestling nerd. I got to meet my favorite wrestler of all time. I drove two and a half hours to middle nowhere in New Jersey to a place called Pandora's Toys and Collect Pandora's Box Toys and Collectibles, a fantastic little shop full of just nostalgia, dopamine everywhere you look. This place was amazing, but they brought in Brett the Hitman Hart for a meet and greet. I did not hesitate. I bought tickets to get both a photo and an autograph. I drove the two and a half hours. Like I said, I met I met up with my buddy Chris Chris Brancato on. Twitter, huge wrestling fan, huge wrestling card collector as well. Absolute legendary person, I might add. We were in line for like three or four hours together waiting for our opportunity to get in to meet Brett, and it happened, and it did not disappoint. The meet and greet was quick. You know, if you've ever done one of these things before, I actually never really truly had. Uh, You don't get a lot of time with the person that you're meeting slash greeting. You get maybe a minute, 30 seconds to a minute or whatever it might be. But we got up there, Chris and I, together in line. And um, I was going to get a WWE 2021 Prism White Sparkle card autographed by the Hitman. A little bit of debate about if it's something one should do, actually. Um, A short print, low numbered card. A lot of uh, thoughts that getting those autographed in person hurts the value of the cards. I don't care. I hear you. Makes sense. But for me, I wanted this card signed, A, because it's gorgeous B, because it's rare and unique. So I am going to likely have the only autographed version of this card in existence. Had him sign it with the pink paint pen. It is absolutely gorgeous. I'm going to send this card out to get graded as well, even just to encapsulate and protect that autograph. But yeah, so I I went with that card to get autographed. And I don't regret it one bit. That card is going to just, again, it's going to express a part of me. It's going to have the story of how I got it signed thrilled to add that to the PC, but quick little anecdote about, about the actual, um, meet and greet part of it. Um, we got up there and Chris and I were, you know, together, like I said, and we were kind of sharing this, the, what we wanted to talk to Brett about in the brief time that we would have. And Chris got up there and he, he shared how WrestleMania 12, the Ironman match with Shawn Michaels basically helped shape his, his wrestling love and his passion and really helped him dive in. And it was like, a life-changing moment for Chris. And Brett was awesome responding back to it. You know, he said something along the lines of even though he lost that match, it was really up there as one of his favorite matches. Sean was on that day. It was really cool hearing Brett acknowledge Sean Michaels in a positive way. 
phenomenal getting to see that back and forth and listen to that. And then I get up there and I decided to tell Brett how my daughter was looking at his rookie card and asked me why his nipples were out. (laughs) So Chris and I went a little bit of a different direction in the stories we wanted to tell the best to ever do it. But I got a chuckle out of Brett and that was that was well worth it. I, I'm pretty thrilled with that story. But yeah, the meet and greet was great. I got that card signed. Like I said, it looks amazing. Brett has one of the greatest autographs you're ever going to see. This guy who signs, I couldn't even tell you how many cards in a year, however many memorabilia in a year or in a day, that particular day, signing glasses and photos and belts and everything. Takes his time to write his full name out, Brett hitman dot 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 heart and just it's it's clean it's awesome absolutely awesome what a way to treat your fans brett is the man it was quick but it did not disappoint i'm so happy that i finally finally got to meet the hitman what a moment for me but all right let's move on to the next uh segment of the show my my show kickoff something i try to do every week although i've been off on it as i've been doing all the the um national stuff i'm mixing it up a little bit every week i typically do a jersey countdown i count down the top five players everywhere a particular jersey number but uh i want to mix it up because we're wrestling heavy i actually want to take some time and count down my top five male wrestlers of all time so strap in for this ride let's get right into it the top five wrestlers in the male category of all time number five Woo! Rick Flair, 16-time world champion, although apparently if you look around different places, that number's changed. I think he's claimed he's a 21-time world champion. Whatever, 16-time world champion, two-time WWE Hall of Fame inductee. His career has spanned over 50 years. He's still doing it. He just had his last match. I guess there's another Rick Flair's final match and maybe another one after that. I don't know. I guess he saw how much money he made in his first final match, so he's having more final matches. Good for him. Original member of the absolute famed Four Horsemen, one of the greatest wrestling stables of all time. Co-founder of Evolution, another legendary stable with Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton. Helped launch several careers um, with, with that grouping. Ric Flair, my number five greatest wrestlers of all time. Moving on to number four. If you smell... Yeah, excuse the impersonations. I'm having a little bit of fun with this one as as I have a lot of uh, energy in me. But The Rock, 10-time world champion, one of the greatest on-mic talkers in the history of the business. And I absolutely just did no, no justification or uh, no proper tribute to it with that impersonation at the top. But whatever. Legendary feud, Stone Cold, uh, WrestleMania X7, one of the greatest matches of all time, him versus Austin. He followed that up with WrestleMania X8 with one of the most goosebump-inducing matches when he faced off against Hollywood Hulk Hogan when everybody realized the, the amount of power still behind Hulkamania as the crowd was actually booing The Rock, which was wild, wild to see. But he's my number four all-time male wrestlers. Number three... His contemporary, his peer, probably, not probably, the most popular wrestler ever when it comes to merchandise. What a moneymaker this guy was. Stone Cold Steve Austin, six-time world champion, WWE Hall of Famer. His feud with Mr. McMahon, completely legendary. Helped launch the Mr. McMahon character into the 
and annals, annals of greatest heels of all time. I mean, this Vince McMahon, who was the owner of the company, now suddenly that Mr. McMahon character has gone on to be probably the greatest heel in the history of wrestling. Who saw that coming without Austin being on that that opposite side of the ring against Mr. McMahon? Who knows where that ends up? Absolutely unreal. You should definitely go back and watch what it was like at that time. And again, arguably the most popular wrestler in the history he still will top the charts on wwe shop in terms of merchandise sales it's unreal 316 shirts are absolutely everywhere but let's move on to number two and this is going to surprise some people who might know me and listen to this podcast the number two greatest male wrestler of all time is the dude i just met brett the hitman hart I'm sure everybody thought he was going to be my number one. He's not. He's my number two, even though he's my all-time favorite wrestler. Seven-time world champion, two-time WWE Hall of Fame inductee. He was a part of one of the most successful tag teams ever in the Hart Foundation. You talk to anybody who's ever cared about wrestling at anything more than just a casual level, he is considered the greatest technical wrestler to ever step in the ring. So many wrestlers today still shape themselves after what he was able to do, look up to him as a inspiration. The respect that we are seeing for him from CM Punk, FTR, the way Edge has looked up to him and Chris Jericho, Bret Hart was the guy. Beyond that, he was a founder of the Hart Foundation stable, huge, huge stable, feuding with Shawn Michaels and the DX as, as the Attitude Era was really starting to ramp up. Um, all the credit in the world to Austin, uh, number, number three on this list for making Mr. McMahon, the character that he became, but really the catalyst, the beginnings of that character started with Bret Hart started with the, with the, this is bullshit, uh, promo and the steel cage. And then the, the Montreal screw job that really pulled Mr. McMahon out from being behind the scenes and really pulled him into that character when he when he sat down and did the Brett screwed Brett promo with Jim Ross. I mean, Hart really, really was at the forefront of what became one of the most iconic eras in the history of professional wrestling. Even if it really wasn't his jam and whatever, whether he fit it, whatever. There's a whole lot of conversation there, but absolutely one of the catalysts for for that era. And then his feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Again, legendary. Keep using that word when I'm talking about these five these five wrestlers, and there's a lot of reason for it, but legendary feud helped cement the Stone Cold Steve Austin character when they concluded their feud at WrestleMania 13 in what is often talked about as one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Go back and watch it. It is a textbook of what a feud should be. But all right. That brings me to number one, the number one greatest male wrestler of all time. It has to be Hulk Hogan. I've talked about this before. I'll talk about it again. It is a hill I will die on. Hulk Hogan helped revolutionize the business twice. In the 80s, Hulkamania was the thing in wrestling and became one of the things in pop culture throughout the world. Everybody knew what that red and yellow meant. Everybody knew what happened when Hogan would point that finger and shake that blonde hair back and forth. 
Everybody knew what was coming. Big boot, leg drop, one, two, three. Body slammed Andre the Giant. That was so massive. I mean, he brought wrestling to the mainstream in ways that nobody ever dreamed. And then he did it again in the 90s. I've talked about this before, like I said, but after after Hulkamania started to, to die out a little bit, we had the new generation, wrestling was in a lull one more time. It was reaching levels where you couldn't really, the WWF at the time wasn't selling out arenas. It was definitely a popularity um, decline. And then Hulk Hogan went to WCW and then Bash at the Beach when he came out as the third man in the NWO it changed wrestling again. The NWO helped bring out an entirely new just fever pitch of passionate wrestling fans and that started to lead directly in to what became the Attitude Era and wrestling saw heights that it had never seen before and it started really with the NWO. I I mean, I don't know what to say. Hulk Hogan was the guy twice two different decades 12-time world champion he's also a two-time wwe hall of fame inductee it's got to be hulk hogan he is the babe ruth the michael jordan the wayne gretzky of wrestling there's just no two ways about it so yes bret hart is my all-time favorite wrestler i would choose him 10 times out of 10 over hulk hogan for many many reasons but if I'm trying to be even remotely objective and trying to be remotely uh, truthful to what this list is, Hulk Hogan's the guy. He's the top of the mountain. He's the king. He's the Hulkster. He's the number one greatest male wrestler of all time. But this is a card podcast, so why don't we talk about some cards? Why don't we talk about some Hulk Hogan cards? The most obvious card, um, one of the most iconic cards in the history of wrestling cards is 1982 All-Star Series A. It is considered as rookie cards, even though there's cards that had come out earlier, whatever. This is kind of the card, uh, but it's not cheap. If you want to get your hands on that card, a PSA 9, which has a pop of 16, is a $32,000 card. If you got a little bit of budget that you can spend, though, you can drop down to a PSA 5 that has a pop of about 33, and that sells in the $2,000 range, and you can find raw versions of it as well. Um, you got to be a little bit careful with what's considered reprints or reissues of that card, but you can definitely find it. There, there are options. If you want to get something that's, um, a little, a little easier to get, some people consider, you know, his, his earliest tops card. It, it, it's still a very, very sought after Hulk Hogan card. His 1985 tops comes in both a yellow and blue background. A PSA eight version of the yellow is about 177 bucks. And that same PSA in the blue is about 140 bucks. A lot more budget friendly if you're a nobody like me and you would really like to get your hands on it and a very early Hulk Hogan card. He's also uh, autographed a ton of things. You can find those cards autographed, although that does affect the price. So, you know, keep that in mind. But if you just want to get your hands on something uh, a little more vintage of the Hulkster, something more representative, representative of his prime. The 85 tops is is definitely doable if you are in my level. Now, as always, I like to talk about things more than just rookie slash vintage cards. I like to talk about more modern stuff as well and try to bring some of that into the fold. If you want something brighter, something something with a little more pizzazz, 
You can get his 2022 Prism Red Auto. Absolutely gorgeous card color match. That sells for about $400 raw. That is a pretty awesome card that you can get. Uh, it's a sticker auto. Uh, unfortunately, Panini does all sticker autos on, on most of their products, except some of the high-end stuff. But nonetheless, that Prism Red uh, autograph card is gorgeous. You can definitely find that. And if you've got a little bit of budget to stretch, if you still want to get an autograph and you want to save a little bit of money, you can get his 2022 Revolution Auto for about 250 bucks. That base auto is, is really pretty budget-friendly if you'd like to get something autographed by the GOAT of professional wrestling. But there it is. That's my top five male wrestlers of all time. I'm going to count it down one more time for the recap. Number five, Ric Flair. Number four, The Rock. Number three, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number two, my favorite wrestler ever, Bret the Hitman Hart. And number one, Hulk Hogan. What do you think about that list? I would love to know. If you would like to let me know, if you'd like to yell at me, who did I leave off? You mad that Andre's not on there? You mad that Sean's not on there? Don't hesitate. You can reach out. I'm at Sports Card Nobody on Instagram. I'm at Sport Card Nobody on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. And maybe you love the list. Maybe you'd like to let me know and you'd like to leave a really nice five-star review. Please do that at your podcast hub of choice because it really goes a long way to helping me grow this show and keep it going. But if that's what you want to do, if you do want to help out, if you want to help spread the word, the best thing you can do is share this. Share this with friends. Share this with family. Share this with anybody you think might care about anything I have to say. But all right, listen, I I talked about at the top. I have a really incredible interview coming up on the other side with Tony Vela, the creator, the operator, the archivist of WrestlingTradingCards.com. Tony has incredible stories. What a blast it was to sit down and chat with him. I can't wait for you to listen to this. He also has uh, some thoughts on my top five list and really does a good job bringing it back to the, uh, the cards surrounding the folks I have in that top five. I'm going to stop talking now because I want to get to this interview because it is so incredible. Stay tuned for Tony Vela. All right, welcome back to the show. Once again, I, I did the introduction off the top. I'm really, really excited to sit down with somebody that I've been learning from and listening to for I don't know how many months now as I've dived deeper and deeper into this wrestling card rabbit hole that has absolutely sucked me in. But please, please give a big welcome to Mr. Tony Vela, owner and operator, creator of WrestlingTradingCards.com. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is an honor. Uh, honor that's so generous of you man i think i'm I'm the one who's honored i've been waiting for a chance hey. to chat with you for a while although i did get to meet you briefly at the national which was pretty awesome I, you know it was really kind of you to take a moment and, and say hello there oh you know that was fun time though wasn't it uh, do you have a good time there i had a blast man it was it was a lot is is the best way i can describe it is it was a lot <laughs> it's my first time going so it was uh it was quite the experience uh, yeah it a lot. I mean, conventions are kind of not new for me uh, sure. from any type, mostly pop culture type of things. But the national that that was the first time I've been to one since 2006. Last time I was in Anaheim, California, and okay. the difference was staggering. <laughs> I, I've heard that it has grown maybe exponentially in the last couple of years. I mean, people were saying even compared to uh, the last time it was in Atlantic City, I guess in 2016 or whatever it was, it was like almost night and day with how big the crowds were. 
Yeah, and also I think it's a different uh, convention center. If you go on the boardwalk, you saw the old convention center yes. there. Yep. Uh, so I don't know if it would have worked in that venue, but sure. it was fun. I mean, it was just uh, being there. Obviously, we had an agenda as a, as a team of people, myself and Paul from the Wrestling Price yep. Guide, the guys from the Card Foundation podcast, Danny and Johnny, uh, uh, Chuckster, of course, can't do anything without Chuckster, man. He's a <laughs> legend in this business. Uh, and of course, uh, Caleb, you know, it was just uh, an honor to finally, after all these years, get that main stage and be able to talk wrestling cards with, uh, with at the national for the first time. Yeah. So let's actually set that stage a little bit. So, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, I, I talked about it a little bit in some of my recaps, but Tony was a part of this panel of these incredible wrestling card minds that he just listed off and they actually closed the main stage on, I think it was Thursday night. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Five with, to 6 PM. We sure yep, did with a full hour of wrestling card specific conversation, which was awesome. And there was a really good crowd out there. You guys really touched on basically the entire history going, you know, way back talking about the vintage stuff and kind of went through, talked about the indie stuff and had, you know, the, the foundation pod guys that you just mentioned, uh, Johnny and Danny talking about modern stuff. You really covered every single base of that. Tell me a little bit how that came together and what the motivations were to do that. Well, the motivation itself was just to get the word out in wrestling cards. Wrestling cards have always kind of been looked down upon. It's not really a big deal. Um, I've said it at the at the panel itself, and I've said it numerous other times on podcasts too, is that you know there's never been enough zeros behind the numbers when it comes to wrestling cards. And I think that's been kind of like you know, lost on people like that. Yeah, well, you know, it's only, it's only a $5,000 card, not a $500,000 card, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. but you know, but, but the ROI on stuff like that can be just as great, if not more than even any other sport, you sure. know? Um, so it was just a long time coming. We've been talking about doing it really seriously for the last year, since last year's national and all the credit in the world goes to Paul Anon from the, the wrestling card price guy. Cause he was so uh, persistent with doing uh, the work to get us to, to that point. He was the point man who reached out, made the communication, was passed on from one person to the next person to the next person. And it really kind of all fell together within a few weeks before the national wow. itself. Like, okay. like they wanted to give us Sunday morning at 10 a.m., you know, <laughs> like first thing, like who the hell wants to be on at Sunday morning right. after we've been partying Saturday night? <laughs> and on top of that, it's like we're not going to be there anyways. We're leaving on, on Saturday. Sure. So they were quick to uh, change the schedule for for us and gave us Thursday night. And, um, you know, it was just Paul and I. We were in constant communication about it. And then we said, well, we got to have Chuckster there, of course. And mm -hmm. so Chuckster was part of that. Well, we invited Caleb to have those two guys kind of talk about uh, indie and more modern kind of stuff like right now. And then, of course, you can't do it without the guy from the Card Foundation podcast, too. I've always said it's a clean, polished podcast out there that uh, is really, you know, making a lot of uh, waves. It was for, for us, for our hobby. And of course, they, they got to be on there to talk about the future of wrestling cards. So it was all nice that we all were able to get together. Uh, a lot of us, all of us meeting for the first time in person. Yeah, that's um, wild because you also had been working with Paul for 20 years or something, I think, right? Yeah, Paul, Paul and Chuckster. Like I can go back to some old AOL email address, you know, uh, account <laughs> and I can go back and I see messages from from Chuckster back then. I mean, he he was using the website before it was known as WTC. He was he was using it when it was called ComCollect. Wow. And uh, he even still has all the printouts from the uh, all the wrestling pages that we had back then, which is, which is crazy. And so we would go back and forth through email. That's all the communication we had. And then eventually around the time when Paul put out his price guide in 2010, we started talking a bit on the phone. 
I helped him land that uh, the advertisement for the back of his book uh, from TriStar, um, and, you know, and just kind of grew from there. And we just started talking and emailing. And then, of course, pandemic hits, you know, in sure. 2020. And here we are uh, doing Zoom stuff right. and meeting each other, sort of like, oh, that's what yeah. you look like. Um, <laughs> you know, I, and I met Chuckster last uh, August officially, you know, in person when I uh, invited him to Steel City Con when I had Kern Engel out there for a, a Comic Con event, and he drove out there from from Maryland, and uh, we, we met, and he had a wonderful time. I gave him the whole VIP treatment and got to meet uh, Meatloaf and Robert <laughs> England and uh, you know Tom Arnold and <laughs> you know all different kinds of people there. But that's a heck um, of a trip. It was it was a long time coming for us. So a lot of work was put into it. We thought you know Paul came with the idea of like past, present, future as our headline. And that was a perfect way to introduce people to our, our little niche. Yeah, I, I loved it. You know, I, I that was appointment viewing for me. I had a couple a couple things that I needed to get done at the National, a couple panels that I needed to see, and that was absolutely one of them. It was also Appreciate really it. cool that, uh, you know, Chris Brancanto, who's, you know, on Twitter all the time, huge collector. Uh, we made a point. It's like, we're definitely going to link up at the national, but we're definitely going to sit down at this panel together and, and get to take that in. And you guys knocked it out of the park. You really did Thank you. our little niche within the niche, you know, the hobby within the hobby, you know, yeah. however, whatever you want to call it. You guys did it really did it the proper justice that it deserved. Um, and if anybody who was, who was new to it and just wanted to sit down and, and really see what it was all about, they definitely walked away with knowledge. So that was great. Yeah, it was nice to get some interaction from the, uh, the from the audience too for the Q and A. We we kind of had it all kind of time structured, like every person was going to have X amount of time, um, which kind of went faster than we thought. I mean, it went in the blink of an eye, really. So sure. you know, we're we're all kind of like worried a little bit about like how we're going to spread out our time, or we're going to cover enough, or we have enough time to do yeah. a Q and A a Q and A with people, and uh, it worked out perfect. So it actually ended up being less time than than what we expected, and uh, um, I just hope that people got some knowledge out of it. Um, I said at the end of that thing too, which you can go watch. I've repurposed that video. They, they sent us a great uh, high uh, quality uh, video of it. And uh, it's up on my, on the YouTube channel for WTC to, to view. Um, I said that I don't think that we're not really known anymore. Now I think wrestling cards <laughs> has got a much brighter light on it and yes. it's not such a quiet thing anymore. So let's actually talk more about the national as a whole. So, you know, that panel was fantastic. And I think you're right. It, it really helped shine the light the way that you guys intended it to. Um, but what did you think of the national as a whole in terms of wrestling cards specifically? Did you get a chance to really walk around and take that in? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, uh, we made it a point. We got there and did Wednesday through Saturday. Okay. So we got there on Wednesday. Our first point was obviously to find where the hell the stage is at. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we did an, we did a, an outside the perimeter type of, uh, thing to walk down every aisle, uh, on the outside, just check it all out and find the stage. And I had a PSA submission I wanted to drop off. So I was mm. glad to drop that off on Wednesday. Cause man, that line was killer the next few it days. It was. Yep. Um, but, uh, just kind of survey the land a little bit, mm -hmm. see how it all looked out. And, um, then on Thursday, we just picked a corner and made our way up and down every single aisle and did the entire show that way. And, you know, if it didn't even look like it had wrestling, cause we weren't, we're going to go through boxes and look for singles and stuff yeah, like right. that. But, you know, we wanted to create some content ourselves and, you know, go up and uh, I know Bird of the Kid is a big wrestling fan. So I wanted to make sure I talked to him. Uh, we found a couple of guys there selling some uh, some cool vintage stuff like Japanese, you know, onto the giant type stuff. Yeah, you know, I think nice. I, someone there, that same guy had a 1948 Magic, you know, Topps Magic set uh, singles there, which was awesome. You know, I'd never seen those in person before. Um, so there was a, it was a good representation, like, you know, more than I expected. I, I've heard stories in the past that 
not a whole lot of wrestling. And when you do find it, it's usually just your vintage stuff. You'll probably mm. find some of the all-star wrestling all-stars, which sure. is expected. Um, and you'll find maybe some, you know, 85, 87 tops, which I found, but it was nice to see some more, some modern stuff. There was some, there was some shiny stuff there too. So <laughs> it was nice to see some, uh, some prism, some prism gold. Um, there's a, a good rounded, it was a good mix. So if, if you were in this something, I'm sure you're going to find something there. It was good to see. And it's interesting because I, I actually walked away with kind of the opposite take. Actually, I thought um, I was a little disappointed with the with the representation that I saw. Um, there was definitely a lot of vintage stuff that I came across, mostly uh, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan stuff, which is all awesome. You know, not knocking that one bit. Um, as far as the modern stuff, Prism was, I think, the the really the most represented modern stuff that I had seen. And even that was a little hit or miss. The best prism stuff I saw was actually um, prism. God had a, had a booth and he had a bunch of really awesome gold to gold, Bret Hart, gold, Shawn Michaels. And I think there was most of it wasn't even for sale. Is he the same one that had the, is he the same one that had color blast as well? He has some color blast. I don't, too. I don't remember. I don't recall if he had a color blast. I know there was color blast representation because Chris, who I referenced I know, Chris, earlier, Chris picked one up. Yeah. yeah. He grabbed the <laughs> Sasha Banks uh, color blast, which is a huge pickup. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually walked away from it feeling a little bit disappointed because for instance, my buddy that I was there with, uh, he collects wrestling and hockey. That's his two, his two lanes. Uh, so we were walking around looking for both and he came upon a booth that was all hockey and he spent, he went there like three different days where he was, you know, working with that dealer, making sales and buying stuff. Like really, you know, excited about that. I kept hoping I would come across something like that for wrestling, uh, yeah. There was one booth that was, had a sign that said wrestling and boxing, but again, it yep. only had um, very like, some vintage stuff and just not. He was huge... the one that had. He's the one that had the Andre Japanese stuff there. Like yeah, I think mostly, that. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, because I think that's where I saw the Andres that uh, that I was referencing earlier. So we did a quick, we did a quick interview with him too, because it was just nice to see. I mean, um, you said it was your first national, so yep. I mean, you had nothing really kind of based it on unless and uh, for other people's opinions, I guess. But, you know, comparative, again, it's 2006 to 2022. Sure. It's a big difference. But <laughs> I, had, I had heard nothing but no representation, hardly. It's just okay. vintage, just vintage years past. So for me to see the first booth I went to was down by the PSA booth. And it had they had long boxes or 5,000 count boxes. And there was a lot of singles in it. They had okay. a lot of Prism singles. They had some uh, uh, Topps Chrome singles, some Topps Finest singles, uh, stuff like that. But I wasn't going to go through all that. Sure. Like, I didn't have time. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, so for me, it was it was a, a pleasant surprise to see that. I, I found a guy that I ended up picking up some TriStar Kurt Angle printing plates from. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of cool to find. I bought a, um, sitting over here in my office somewhere, uh, I bought an uncut sheet of TriStar uh, autograph cards. It had all the single, dual, triple, quad, uh, kiss prints, and sting oh, face paint cards on it. It's like that. I picked that up. So that was kind of fun to, to find that kind of stuff. So to see something that was just not just vintage stuff sure. was kind of cool. And I just look at it as baby steps. Maybe next year there'll be a whole booth of just like, yeah. And I, I, and the chances are, Oscar, I'm talking to you. Uh, <laughs> chances are uh, there might be a, a booth completely devoted to nothing but all kinds of wrestling cards. That, that would be incredible. I'm, I'm, I haven't figured out if I'm going to be able to make Chicago yet. I really would like to have already been talking to my wife. If try to like, force it in like a family vacation sort of situation sure. but but we'll see but something that that crossed my mind and i think chris said he he had talked about it with you guys already too kind of separately which is awesome but when i was there i kept hearing inklings of there being an f1 trade night and um and when i got home it was kind of like you know decompressing and, and thinking about everything it really feels like 
there should be a wrestling sponsored trade night where a whole that'd, bunch that'd of the it's like a no brainer to me. And yeah. Chris, you know, was, you know, like I think he said, he talked about it in like a recap video with you guys or something. We did, like we, that. We, we did a recap video, which will be out this coming Wednesday. Uh, which reminds me, thank you. I got to yeah. do editing work. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was, um, it, he, he did bring that up. It's a great idea. I, maybe we do it for year two. If we all decide we're going to go, we're, we're looking at possibly maybe doing another panel. If they'll have us. Okay. Um, and then, um, that'd be an awesome, you know, have a dinner one night possibly sure. for those who can make the dinner. Cause that, that was a big thing for us. We all agreed that the people who showed up for the dinner after our panel, it was probably the highlight of all of our week. We, awesome. we can, uh, just having that dinner night, just meeting people face to face, like-minded individuals talking shop telling stories that's great uh you know it was just fun and um maybe doing a trade night would be awesome i I mean i can't imagine that there wouldn't be enough representation already i've been hearing from other folks in the community brett mcgrath uh drake you know at drake pc drake mcgruder Mm -hmm. folks who didn't get to make it to this show have already said they're they're definitely going to chicago so we already had a, a big amount of obviously folks in the wrestling community as it were adding a lot of those those names as well there's going to be a, a huge amount of us even if i can't go that community is going to be represented and i can't imagine yeah. getting together at some hotel and you know whatever some conference room with a whole bunch of people just having having a good time and trading and having you know swapping stories like you said that would be fantastic i, I think it could be done you know i'll talk to paul because paul's kind of like you know the the main coordinator for us when it comes to the wrestling card community for the well especially for this year because it's never been done before so you right. know we we're, we started something and now we're kind of like oh are we kind of on the hook now for going forward of <laughs> and, and and i think we kind of are and, and you know my wife's very supportive so she's like awesome. hey if this is an a- annual thing for you then go do it you know that that's um, wonderful having that support is huge yeah and uh you know i'll close up shop for the weekend and go do it so i'm opening a store here in phoenix so oh, nice. uh yeah it's going to be um you know something we can plan on hopefully every year so i love do, the idea what do we have to do to drag zan out there have it in missouri <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'd love to have him come man i mean uh, uh you know talking about a great mind out there for the hobby right. and you know, taking things like uh, I've learned a lot from him. You know, I'm a longtime collector, uh, you know, 30 plus years, 35 years, whatever it is of collecting wrestling cards. Right. But then uh, kind of learning from him, like when I started my podcast for my YouTube channel, there was only him. That was it. He was the only YouTube channel that was out there talking exclusively about wrestling cards. Right. Then I started mine. And we just started talking together. We became friends because of the hobby. And you know, we got our World's Collide podcast yeah. going on. And um, you know, I, I'd love to have him to be there and be part of a panel with us and, and discuss thing, but you know, him, him traveling, if it's not Disney related, I don't think he's going. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what we can do. We can see if we can, uh, grease some wheels in the next year and figure that out. Yeah. But, uh, but you know what, let's, let's rewind a little bit. You did, you actually just touched on a little bit of your history in the hobby and your, your history with, with Zan, with the, with the podcast. But, uh, but tell me more actually about that journey. You know, how did you get into the, the, collecting wrestling cards 30, you know, 30 some odd years ago and where you've gotten to now, what made you start wrestlingtradingcards.com, which is a website dedicated specifically to wrestling card information, checklist, yep. you know, what's out and what, you know, if you're looking for a card, where can you find it? All those sorts of things. How did you get there? How did you get to where you are right now? Well, I've been collecting like all of us probably have a store collecting as kids. You know, I, I collect as a kid, I collected baseball primarily. I did a little bit of football, not so much basketball, but, you know, in the mid eighties, you know, when that first top set came out, so probably a, not necessarily 85, maybe 86 before the 87 top set came out for WWF, you know, I 
I worked at a, uh, you know, cause I'm 53. <laughs> so I, I worked at a, at a liquor store slash deli that we carried trading cards. And the guy who was one of the manager of the store, he was big in baseball cards. Okay. But then that's the, also the year I was 85, 86 GPK had come out. So, uh, for garbage belt kids and on that original sales sheet on one side was garbage belt kid ad on the flip side was a WWF ad. Awesome. And so he'd ordered a box of wrestling cards we had it there in the store and I was hooked ever since. Wow. So growing up as a wrestling fan, because I was a wrestling fan as a kid, my grandparents used to take me to the, you know, Olympic auditorium, uh, LA sports arena, stuff like that. I would see onto the giant wrestle, you know, with Freddie Blassie and stuff like that. And just a little kid and having the time of my life. And, um, you know, I became a wrestling fan ever since. And then I got into cards in the late, you know, mid to late eighties. And ever since just never but let it go, never let it go. And I, and I've, I've always kept wrestling cards in my collection. But then I would dabble in other things. I never went back into sports. I never got into any other sports cards, but I started getting a fan of non-sport stuff. So I started collecting garbage pell kids, wacky mm -hmm. packages. Then I went, you know, in the nineties, I got into, you know, uh, in late, mid, late nineties, I got into like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Started collecting <laughs> Playboy, Playboy cards, big into Star Wars cards. And in, in the, in the uh, early nineties, I didn't really get into it in the seventies. I got into it in the nineties. Um, so I used to get uh, dump product, you know, the marked across the box product and get it for really cheap. And so I got it really into that. And I decided that I wanted to try to archive all that for originally just kind of like, I don't know, just for fun. I was looking, you know, in the uh, late 90s. Okay. I was were, uh, teaching myself HTML. And I thought, you know, what could I do? Like, oh, well, I like trading cards. Maybe I'll do something on trading cards. And I just had like this website called ComCollect. Okay. And I did it uh, where like they had this, I had this four card spread on the front where I had wrestling on the top, and then it had like uh, Buffy, then Playboy, and then Star Wars, something like that. And I was using this that like being really fancy in the late nineties, by the way, <laughs> using a program called Fire Firecracker, and you can actually cut out like you know a section of a, of, a, of an object and make it a link, so you can actually just only click on the Buffy card and it would take you to the Buffy section oh, nice. and stuff like that. So and, fancy. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, really <laughs> fancy and. Um, then I thought, got this bright idea, like I'm going to make the world's first online price guide for non-sport cards, all by myself. Wow! <laughs> Not understanding what the, what that uh, undertaking took, and um, yeah, was that a couple hours to do that? Uh, yeah, give or take a, <laughs> a year of my life, but um, it was it was uh, I burned myself out doing that, and I had no interest in doing anything at all for trading cards online at all. Okay, but and that that lasted for a couple of months of like thinking that burn myself out and i go you know what well, i'll just narrow it down to like the beginning stages of what i was really all about and collecting anyways and that was wrestling cards and that's where you know in 2001 was that, that 9 11 that happened in 2000, yep. 2001 so right after that i wanted to go out and buy the name wtc.com okay wasn't allowed to wasn't allowed to oh man was it uh, somebody already had it no, it was available, but it, um, at the time, GoDaddy, um, the government had uh, stopped anybody from forming anything that had uh, anything to do with World Trade Center. Oh, right. So I couldn't buy the name oh, WTC. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to I had to spell it all out. WrestlingTradingCards.com was available, and so I bought it, and I'm glad I did that way instead. Uh, but um, and I just started building it from there. I went and I found a website at the time that had a text formatted uh, kind of a checklist, like a text format of 
all the list of like saving from 1985. It would have mm. everything listed from 1985. And I go, this is helpful, but it's just not organized very well. You know, and I, I said, I think I could do a better job of that. And so I kind of just, that's where WTC started okay. and formed. And it originally came where we had like national release stuff. So just like North American releases. That was a section. There was food issued section. There was <laughs> Japanese section. And then there was a CCG, TCG section for like raw deal and things like that. And then I think at some point we even had a sticker section. Um, and then, of course, when we relaunched the website, kind of removed everything over in, in 2020, 2021, uh, I just merged it all together. So okay. here's, everything, here's everything from 1999, <laughs> period. And add a search uh, function to it so that you can actually go. And I, I had to teach myself WordPress. Sure, so I teach sure. myself WordPress and uh, went through, um, you know, again, my wife being very supportive and me pulling the hair out of my head, doing all that <laughs> stuff. And um, just making it so it's a, a little more friendlier. Uh, friendly user and, uh, and user friendly, and then um, you know just doing images, and it's just been a, a labor of love since day one. So awesome. Well, that's I, that's the history in a nutshell. So <laughs> <laughs> listen, that labor of love is is absolutely appreciated. It, it is so awesome seeing folks like again the work that you do to help make the wrestling card community bigger and more well known. It's not lost because I'm I don't know. Uh, success story or a victim of it i don't know because you know and i started um falling you know i was really getting back into cards and i started to learn more about the wrestling cards i think the first spot was uh i heard brett mcgrath on stacking slabs talking about wrestling cards and then the AEW set was coming out so i was really starting to like get into it but then when i discovered the worlds collide podcast is when i is i felt like i had my eyes opened up and kazan asked me that i i was i was on his youtube channel and he was on my my podcast a couple months ago he asked me that question i was like I think it's it's because of the work that you folks like you have been doing, opening eyes and making people realize there is more than just baseball cards and football cards and basketball cards. Like there is this entire world of awesome stuff that appeals yeah. to me, that speaks to me, and it, you know it sort of accidentally has taken over my collecting. Uh, even though I still try to collect all the sports, wrestling is definitely the at the forefront of it now by accident you know yeah i've had a, i've had to tailor my personal collecting i've had to tailor it because I, I i got out of the the love of collecting like i used to back in uh, 2005 2006 maybe that time frame when tops took over basically okay. um, and i was just uh it became i was a completist so mm. during that uh, late 90s when comic images got it and tops had the wcw license i got everything i went after and got everything so there was a time when i had all of that because all wow. those images for most of that came from my personal collection and that's where wtc came from is my personal collection in the beginning so things you saw from the 1800s that was my personal collection wow. things you saw from the, the 1954 55 parkers that was my personal collection um all that stuff came from my collection and then when it became like really difficult to collect everything with the parallels, things like that, sure. I kind of, I just said, okay, I'm kind of tapping out. And I just got things here and there. I had connections at tops who would sometimes send me boxes like, Hey, you go, man, for a box breaks like that, you know, for you to do whatever you need or maybe get images for your site. It's kind of shut me up with asking for checklist information. <laughs> sure. I would always ask for checklist information. They were not very uh, forthcoming with information because I wasn't a brick and mortar place. They wouldn't give it to me. I wasn't blowout hmm. cars or David yeah. Adams. So, um, uh, so I was just kind of like, I dabbled here and there and then I kind of just fell out of it for a while. I wouldn't pick up anything really at all. And then when I got into doing my podcast, hooking up with Zam for our podcast, getting back into it and kind of like 
oh, uh, there's a fire lit under my ass of getting WTC, <laughs> you know, back in, uh, uh, up to date. Um, I said, you know what? I'm changing my direction. Okay. And I learned that. I learned that from Zan. Zan's the one who kind of convinced me in my head that you, it's okay to change your lane every once in a while. You know, you don't have to stick in one lane at all times. And I just thought, well, if I can't do this, I'm not doing anything. Sure. And sure. And I go, wait a second. That's not true. I can, you know, I, I have people I like. I'm a Kurt Angle collector now, and I'm a Dexter Loomis collector. So, you know, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it now. I'm having more fun now than I ever have, for at least for as long as I can remember, uh, collecting wrestling cards again. But, you know, that love has also kind of brought uh, open and Twitter and all social media has brought open other things like I'm really into music cards now. So I got, a, okay. I got really, into, and that's the, my own, my second and probably greater love more than wrestling is going to be music. Okay. So you take uh, trading cards and music and put it together. Sure. Hell yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm buying like boxes and cases of like yo MTV raps and buying like, you know, uh, superstars of music and whatever I can get my hands on. That's, and I, I just think that's probably like years down the road. That's like the next big thing sure. possibly, you know? So, Man, and, that, and I love it. That is really one of the things that's so appealing about the hobby card collecting, whatever you want to call it. At this point, you know, there's so many different lanes. There's so many different ways for you to express something about yourself. And this is what I preach all the time, like why I love collecting these cars, why I went and met Bret Hart and had him sign a card, because that's another way for me, an extension for me to express something about me, something that meant something to me as a kid, you know, becoming an adult and appreciating what Bret did with his career. You know, I, I just I love that. I love that somebody can come in my office and look at my desk and see a Sandy Colfax card next to a Bret Hart card next to a Mookie Betts card. And like there's a little bit of a story about who I am. Yeah, it, it's so awesome. And now the music and, obviously and, and wrestling to does you. that more than anything else. I think wrestling does that more than anything else. It's it's a little bit different than your regular stick and ball, you know, type of uh, sure. collecting because. Yeah, there are certain things and you can have like career highlights of someone. Mm -hmm. You can be a Kobe collector and remember where that particular, I mean, you know, his stats and his records. Something a bit different about wrestling, though. Wrestling can talk about a whole era, not just not just uh, a particular player or a particular performer, but a whole like encompassing era. You know, uh, and it just there's some great conversation pieces there that can bring you back. There's, There's a much more attachment to nostalgia through wrestling cards i think than anything any other sport man i think that is so true um one of the things that i have noticed now i've i've only been to two uh real trade nights one was here at a local at a mohegan sun casino here in connecticut the other was the big uh card collector two trade night at the national and then i went to the trade lounge at the national a few times one thing that i absolutely noticed was that when people would open my case 50% 50% of it was wrestling cards and the other 50% was stick and ball, you know, st- sort of standard uh, sports cards. And I would kind of give people the caveat because I learned pretty quickly that people weren't necessarily interested in the wrestling cards. They were looking for the Justin Herberts or whatever, sure. the standard stuff. Um, so I, w- I would let them know, it's like, this side is all wrestling. So if you, you know, if you want to move on, this is all the more traditional stuff. But I, it was so common that somebody would be like, oh, really, wrestling cards? And they'd start going through it, and they would absolutely be interested in what it was and maybe ask me about it, even if they had no interest in making the trade. And then they'd go through the sports stuff, and they'd go, okay, well, what do you want for this one? What do you want for this one? But there wasn't the same sort of like eye-opening, oh, this is actually kind of cool. You know, yeah. like that, that moment wasn't really happening with the sports, even though that's what they wanted. But the wrestling was definitely opening up more conversation. 
Because I bet at some point in time in their life, they may not be wrestling fans now, but they probably were when they were younger, like a lot of people were. Um, And that's, again, it's a great conversation piece. It's nostalgic. It brings that, uh, oh, really? There's there's a Hulk Hogan card? That's great. That's kind of cool. You know, I mean, it's just, it's... It's a definitely. Um, uh, it's not. It's not so much businessy, you know. When yeah. you go through all your sports stuff, it's like you said. Oh, you have. You know, you have this. You know, it's very business-like in that respect. Whereas, like, this 100%. is more like. Ooh, this is kind of laid back. Let's just chill, man. Let's have a right. beer and talk about right. this. <laughs> yeah, one of the actually one of the uh, better conversations I had had walking through the the big trade night that night was um, some guy. His name was Tad or Thad, and this is in one of my recasts, but he. he Kind of just like saw me walk by. He goes, "Oh, we're the weird folks over here." And I glanced over, <laughs> and he had a Playboy slab, you know, a Playboy card, you know, PSA slab card. Yeah. He had a um, like a Brutus the Barber beefcake or something like that, or maybe it was the I forget who, you know, some kind of off the wall wrestler. And I was, I looked at it and said, "I'm definitely taking a look." I mean, this stuff is awesome, even if there's not something I I want to trade or or you know whatever. Just talking about this cool collection, this Seinfeld, you know, card he had. I, sure. That stuff, you're right. It, it does create more of like this, like community, having fun, laid back aspect, and, and versus the Justin Herberts or the basketball cards, where it's transactional. You know, it's, yeah. you, you hit the nail right on the and, head with and, that. And wrestling is more of. Um, I've always considered wrestling to be more of a non-sport category, anyway. So sure. I, I remember years ago, I, I wrote an article for. I was trying. I was. I was trying to be a writer. And I, that's not me. Uh, and I was trying, writing articles on the old Com Collect site, okay. and I, I had written something about like, you know, what what's why do I consider wrestling to be a non-sport more than a sport? Okay. I, and I said like, well, back then, like you never saw you know McGuire or Sosa or Bond skip to the plate and cut a promo before they go hit you know <laughs> before they hit a home <laughs> run, and, and so but but you you do that in, in in wrestling of course, so it was just. I don't know. It's just, it's a different feel, a different flavor. And I think that's, it fits in that non-sport category. That's why I think non-sports, which I, I was also pleasantly surprised and Chuck will attest to this too. Uh, There was some good representation of non-sport stuff at the national this year too. So there was a, you know, some old Beatles box, a box of Beatles cards or, you know, uh, uh, hell, even Alf or, (laughs) you know, um, I mean, you name it. There was several, several booths vendors there that had, uh, that were just uh, predominantly non-sports, which was so cool to see that. Uh, Xena and sure. Buffy and st- a lot of Star Wars, of course, but it was just so cool to see that. And I think that's um, non-sports as a whole is just as untapped as wrestling cards had been. Yeah. So I, I think I think non-sports could be the next uh, thing. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think you're you're probably very right on that. I mean, we saw what happened with Marvel. You know, Marvel sure. had its big boom. I mean, that you know, that's huge. I mean, trying to get a, a still. But it's not the first time Marvel had its big boom. Marvel had a big boom in the late '90s as well, too, with you know, Fleer Skybox stuff like that. That stuff came out, and that was that was in, in demand. Oh, and really? Then, yeah, everything kind of blew up. I mean, hell, after the first Spider-Man movie came out, I remember working uh, on s- Saturdays sometimes helping out a vendor over at a place in California called Frankenstein Collectible Show. Yeah, that's uh, a great show. I, I yeah. lived out in L.A. for close to 10 years and i would love to go to that show because i was a big uh big hot i was a vendor collector. i was a vendor there for years oh man i probably walked <laughs> right by and didn't even know it i was a vendor for years down all 400 man um oh, wow. and uh i was a guy selling wrestling cards <laughs> <laughs> oh, if and, only i knew when i lived yeah. out in la that i, that I had this obsession <laughs> they had uh there's a gentleman out there named julio from julio's collectibles super nice guy was one of the biggest uh non-sports uh dealers in the country 
And uh, we get so that first uh, Spider-Man movie came out, man, all those uh, resellers would come out and just clean hmm. him out of all of his Marvel stuff. And it was just going up wow. and up and up. And it was coming harder and harder to replace. And uh, it was incredible. So to see that wave happen again is pretty cool. And I see people trying to flex stuff online, like, hey, check out my Snoop Dogg card or check out my, and I, I love that stuff. I think it's sure. so cool and that, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to throw out the next thing. Like this could be the next big, you know, Jay-Z card or something like that, or the next, uh, you know, who knows, like maybe this like uh, Sarah Michelle Geller rookie sure. card, who knows, you know? And, <laughs> and even if it doesn't, again, like th- that, the way you can express yourself and again, tell that little bit of um story about yourself through these things. That's what I dig so, so much. Um, this is not a, a great little story, but quick Frankenstein's anecdote, I guess. Um, you know, I talked about the top of the show before our interview. You know, I got to meet Bret Hart yesterday. Absolutely phenomenal moment where it finally happened. But I was at Frankenstein's, I don't know how many years ago with my wife looking at Hot Toys figures. And I, I came, you know, around and they had a big poster. You know, Bret Hart was going to be there. Mm-hmm. He was there the weekend of my wedding that was coming up. <laughs> and there was a moment where I was thinking to myself, could I just postpone the wedding and figure out how to come finally meet Bret Hart? And if your wife uh, agrees, she was definitely a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> well, five years later, whatever it is, I, it finally happened anyway. And I didn't have to postpone a whole wedding <laughs> to, to meet yeah, that we've, moment. We've, we've had a lot of talent over the years come in and do appearance at Frank's. Uh, you know, I, I've I've brought in several talents. I brought in Booker T there. I've had, uh, uh, I mean, Jesus, you can name people. I've Molly Holly's there, RVD several times, Mick Foley, the Molina, outsiders were there. Lita, Lita, I've had I had them there too. Yep. Um, um, well, that actually brings up another question that I wanted to want to talk with you about because you talk sure. a lot about how Kurt Angle is a client. Sure. Uh, so what what is your actual day job? What do you do from from day to day? Currently, right now, still until I open my store, and even when I open my store, I'll, I'll just, you know, hopefully I can uh, find myself a, an employee or two who can kind of run things for when I'm gone. If not, then I'm just going to shut the store down for when I'm gone for the weekend. But okay. my, my primary uh, business, as I'm a booking agent, I've been okay. doing it for damn near 20 years of uh, working with uh, pop culture shows, comic cons, private signings, meet and greets, that kind of thing. And I work across the board with a different talent. So okay. over the years, I've gotten kind of uh, recognized like, oh, you're the wrestling guys like that, because a lot of my roster is pro wrestlers. Um, but I have movie and TV and musicians as well. So like that uh, uh, people on my roster. But, you know, wrestlers are a lot easier to book in different types of genres. I can put them mm. in a pop culture show, sure. like a Comic-Con. I can also put them in obviously a, a, a wrestling specific convention. I can also put them in a, a horror movie, you know, <laughs> convention too. You know, I've, I've had Kurt Angle at Days of Dead, you know, really? uh, um, uh, <laughs> Indianapolis. I've had Chris Jericho at Days of the Dead Atlanta. I've had both of those guys at the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival in, in, in Atlantic City oh, uh, at the same hotel we stayed at, of course, a uh, showboat. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just something I've been doing for a long time. But I used to do that probably 25 to 35 weekends a year. Okay. Uh, travel to diff- different uh, conventions uh, for my clients. But those days are kind of done for me. I, I'm just uh, getting out of town doing that. I mean, I've got a three-year-old son, three-and-a-half-year-old son. Oh, nice. You know, married. I like, to, I, I like coming home now. Okay. So, and, it's, and also, it's, it's money-driven, you know, too. It's like sure. a, I, I, should, I shouldn't. I don't want to leave the house anymore for, you know, a, a few hundred bucks. It's just not worth my time. So Yeah, it makes sense. Um, to, to be away from my family for three days, you know, even on a, on a one-day appearance, it's, you know, Kurt and I are going to be doing the Hamilton Comic Con September 24th in Hamilton, Canada. Well, we got to 
travel on the Friday, the 23rd. We do a one day appearance on the 24th. Let me go home on the 25th. Yeah. That's three days of my, that's three days of my life. Right. Yeah. That's um, uh, I could totally, I, I also have a three, three and a half year old. Um, and, uh, now one year old next week, he turns one, my son. So my daughter's three and a half. And uh, when I was trying to figure out some career moves, one of the options I had was one that would have taken me traveling quite a bit. And that was a big thing that I had to really sit down and think about. Do I want to be the dad that's traveling, you know, so much, you know, away from my, from my you family? Miss a lot. Yeah. It's, it's you tough. A lot. So. I have, I have a daughter who's going to be 28 this year. Okay. And so now I have a three and a half year old son. It's like that. So I, I kind of get like a, not a redo, you know, sure. in that sense. Um, but I, I, I do get to enjoy a lot more first time stuff that I missed out the first time around. Well, good so, for you. That's awesome. Yeah, you you uh, definitely don't want to miss those moments. So. No, yeah, that uh, is, uh, I talk about the family aspect all the time. I talk about how much I try to get my, my daughter involved with my cards. In fact, yeah, same um, with my son. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told this story again at the top of the episode, I'll repeat it real quick. But when I, when I got to meet Brett yesterday, uh, the little, you know, you get like a minute with him. You, you sure. know how it works. Moves yeah. pretty quick. But I, uh, I decided I wanted to tell him something a little bit different. I didn't want to just sort of like, you know, I you know, loved you so much growing up. Your yeah. career was amazing. You're the best ever. So what I told him was um, I showed him a quick picture of my daughter who was like organizing all like different cards of his that I have. You know, she's just laying them out. And one day she was looking at his rookie card, uh, you know, the 87 where he's got the American flag, Star Spangled Banner mm-hmm. stuff. And he's, you know, just standing there with the title. And she was looking at it one day. And she goes, Daddy, why are his nipples out? I'm like, well, <laughs> no. It's kind of hard to explain how wrestling works and all that sort of stuff, but uh, so that was the story I decided to tell Bret Hart quickly in my one minute. Did, did he get a chuckle out of it? He did. He chuckled yeah. and he yeah. and he kind of said the same thing. He's like, "Ah, it's uh, it's a lot to unpack there." Yeah. So yeah, tell you more about it when you're older, kid. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, like I, I get my son involved, uh, you know, with cards. I mean, he's still. You know, he's, he's a toddler, so he's, he's not sure. going to really appreciate it. But, you know, right. getting him acclimated to, you know, what cards are, yeah. you know, how to put them in sleeves or like that, even though I give him a lot, a lot of like, he has a whole bunch of wrestling cards, like sure. old action pack ones that are bent up or, yep. you know, stuff that's stuck together in packs that we opened up after <laughs> 30 years, you know, so he's, he's got some stuff. Uh, but you know, hey, hell, you know, who's going to run WTC when I'm gone? <laughs> <laughs> You're never going away. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Nah, it's uh, the only undefeated champion, sir, is time. Yeah, that that is, uh, in fact, the truth. But all right, let's um, let's talk about something a little bit uh, a little bit fun here. So um, every episode on my podcast, well, not every episode, I should take that back. But on most of my episodes, I do a, a little countdown, usually jersey related, where I count down the top five athletes that wear the jersey number of the whatever episode that I'm in, whatever. But yeah, didn't Brett. you do a cool one once? I think you mentioned me once before. You did a cool one once, episode 32, where you had 32. all the that was a top big five, one. number 32, guys who were third, number 32. Yes, that was a big one. Um, Sandy Koufax was my number one. I understand that some people were maybe disagreed with that. And in fact, I've got I've got some plans to actually uh, revisit that with somebody who, who might disagree because, uh, I mean, Jim <laughs> Brown on that list is probably gets a lot of people upset that I didn't have him one, but uh, it's my show and I'm biased. What do you want me to That's right. There you go. (laughs) Um, But the top of this show, I did this. And since I met Bret Hart and I had you on, it had to be wrestling related. And for me, I I figured, you know, I'm not going to stick it to, you know, tie it to just a number. I want to do my top five male wrestlers. Oh, let's hear your top five. So my top five, um, number five is Ric Flair. Number four is The Rock. 
Number three, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, this one is where people might get a little bit surprised because it's my show and it's my list, but I have two, Bret Hart, and I mm-hmm. put Hulk Hogan number one. Now, for me... Why Hogan number one? So here's, here's the quick rundown of why. Um, wrestling really had two absolute huge moments. The 80s, Hulkamania, he was the guy that made that era run and become what it was, and that's what I grew up with. You know, I was mm-hmm. born in 83. By the time I could think about anything i was a hulkamaniac right i I didn't even know any better yeah um so he gets so much credit for putting wrestling on the map in a mainstream way once and then fast forward to the late 90s after there'd been a big downturn with you know things had fallen off a little bit the the, the comic cooney uh comic con it's like comic uh era i call it you know the crazy you know sure yeah yeah that's anybody remember uh techno team 2000 anybody remember those guys i don't remember (laughs) those guys i might have i'm gonna immediately google that (laughs) t-e uh techno t-e-k-k-n-o of course the double k's i mean you (laughs) gotta have that right yeah um but then you know then comes the big moment in wcw with the nwo forming and after that, we, we hit another big surge. Now, everybody looks back at that and talks about the Attitude Era, but I still maintain that that Attitude Era doesn't really happen without Hulk Hogan coming out as that third man, cutting that interview with Mean Gene and the trash getting thrown in the ring. All of a sudden, wrestling changed again, and we hit what is probably not even arguably the most popular era of professional wrestling ever. That's when we got The Rock and Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. And maybe those guys find their way anyway, but that... That promo, Bash at the Beach, when he comes out and as the third man, it's it was just another inflection point in the industry. So Hogan being the GOAT for me comes from the fact that he was able to affect the entire industry twice. Yeah. And have that same appeal, both as a as the biggest baby face ever and then one of the biggest heels ever. I just I can't it's hard for me not to give him that GOAT status. Even if he's not my personal favorite, Bret Hart to me is the best to ever do it. I, you know, I would pick Bret Hart any day of the week over Hulk Hogan, but I can't, I can't look away from what Hulk Hogan was able to do. So first, I, I call him the Babe Ruth of wrestling, man. I, I think that's the only appropriate thing to call him: Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, and yep. Hulk Hogan. Right? I mean, those yep. are the guys in their industry, and I will die on that hill, yep. even if I wouldn't pick Hogan myself. Um, but first and foremost, what do you think about the list as a whole? I think it's a solid list, man. It's kind of hard to, to argue that. People can throw in what they want to. I mean, everybody sure. has their own perspective. I mean, you can throw an Undertaker in there. You can Definitely. throw a Shawn, Michael, yep. a Shawn Michaels in there. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways you can do it. It's all based on, obviously, I think when you grew up, too. I mean, big time. I mean, it, it, despite, you know, whatever your personal opinion is of cer- certain guys, you know, whether it be Ric Flair and the, you know, Flight from Hell or, yeah. you know, Hulk Hogan and the, and the controversies he's been involved with. These guys still are these larger in life, larger than life type of people that, you know, again, that's why it translates so well in trading card format. Uh, it's just that it's nostalgic. It takes you back to that time frame. And you remember all that trash going in that ring and the formation yeah. of the NWO. Yep. You remember, you know, uh, uh, say your prayers, need your vitamins, even going back. You know, <laughs> I mean, you remember that kind of stuff. Sure you know, you, And it's just uh, it, it sticks with you. And these guys are like some of these guys are household names. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, 
and so the cardboard version of it's like they've made some great wrestling cards that will take you right back to that moment or that era you know and uh, you can talk about like, oh man that was such a kick-ass time man that whole i, I didn't know what to watch wcw or, yeah. or, or raw and i was switching back and forth i was getting every pay-per-view i mean these guys are making money off me <laughs> um what you just said actually that's something that i say a lot. i say it i, I think that the, the the biggest time machine that exists for me is Marvel cards because they take me back to a very specific time when I could actually collect cards and it was Marvel big and wrestling cards because it takes me right back to those moments like you're saying. Yep. And the regular sports cards, they're, it's not the same. The time machine, it's like getting in a DeLorean when I look at some of these cards and yep. I am <laughs> hitting 88 miles per hour and all of a sudden I'm 10 years old again. Yep, you're sitting there, you're, you're like, because uh, we used to have... Um, uh, uh, Monday night parties every week at our house. Yeah, because same. We were going, we were going back and forth from just like the TV, like what's going to happen <laughs> next. Had no idea. Sometimes that uh, when people couldn't uh, show up, we would just record one. Yeah, and then just, sure. And there's 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 no real internet to really get spoilers from at the time. There's no yeah, social right. media to get spoilers from. So uh, just kind of going there and, and making a, a whole night party out of it, kind of thing. It's like don't watch it until like ten o'clock tonight when I get home. So like that. All right, we're gonna have everybody come over and have some beers and yeah. you know, it was just a, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So we were actually a little bit behind you, uh, <laughs> probably with the age difference a little bit, but because we we couldn't, we started having our Monday night parties after WCW had already had already been um, bought out. So we yeah. only had the one option, which was Raw. But we would have our guys' night at my one buddy's house. Who, uh, whose parents owned like a two-story and the bottom half wasn't being rented. Him and his brother just kind of like took it over and we were still <laughs> seniors in high school or whatever. So they were the first people we knew that had an apartment. And we would go there every every Monday for guys' night. We would watch wrestling. At that time, you know, the women wrestlers weren't quite, um, you know, the same as they are now. So oh, those no, matches was, would come on and we'd play I, SmackDown. I yeah, exactly. But we, we would always play SmackDown and became like, I mean, that game became... It's almost took over actually watching the wrestling. It got kind of wild, but man, I totally relate to having those Monday night parties. That's incredible. Yeah, and if they even had like, uh, I mean, uh, you and I can see each other, so yeah. But uh, they, ha I don't even know if I have it here. But they even had like um, uh, cards that represented the video games too back then, for wrestling cards. Really? You know, when, Fle when Fleer had that license, they did a um, they did a trading card, ten card trading card set called SmackDown Shut Your Mouth. Which was I for the did video not know game. that. Yeah, it's a ten card set, and uh, you know, Fleer was into all kinds of stuff at the time. Which sure. is why it's kind of my favorite era of of the wrestling cards because you know Fleer was uh, uh, kind of getting into everything. They had you know their regular trading cards they put out for both hobby and retail. They had their magazine insert cards, their Divas magazines. They had yeah. done. They had <laughs> uh, stuff that was done for KB Toys. They had all kinds of different things going on at the time. So it was it was just a fun time for me. I am definitely gonna have to look up those SmackDown cards then because that yeah. might be another time machine that. Uh that i'm gonna have to hop inside I, I got an extra set we can trade all right yeah we'll, we'll talk <laughs> after the show we'll talk yeah. all right uh keeping it on the cards though so that list of five so rick flair sure. the rock stone cold bret hart hulk hogan whatever order whatever you know whatever i'm curious with your expertise and your many many years collecting <laughs> and and archiving out of those five guys any really cool unique Whatever cards that sticks out to you for any of them? I, I, I can hit you up. I can do a top five for you. Okay, let's do it. I mean, if you want to start with Flair. Okay. Uh, I mean, with Flair, it's just, I mean, there's almost too many to, 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 to name, really, for him. I mean, uh, one of my uh, favorites um, is, uh, it, it's a common card. It's, I know it's Zan's favorite card, too, one of his favorite cards. Of him is, it's a 1991 uh, WCW, the Stomp Collection by Impel. 
Okay. Uh, it's card number 37. He's sitting there in a suit. He's got the four fingers up. Yeah. It's just a classic horseman look. You know, it's like, it's so common though. That you can find it uh, because the joke, the running joke is I'm, I'm the one printing those cards. I'm still printing <laughs> this day. Uh, but it's just, they're plentiful out there. I mean, um, I love that image. It's just a great image. I mean, a wrestling all-stars is always a go-to card. It sure. could be for any of your legends. Uh, yeah. It's going to, it's going to hold you the high value. But if you're looking for something even a little more, you know, uh, uh, on that time frame of like, could be a high value. Uh, I think that 86 Carnation, that Major League Wrestling card set, uh, is a tough, tough card to find. And when you do find it, it's really hard to find it in, in, a, in a good condition. Okay. Uh, right. So 86 Carnation is a great, it's a classic looking image of him. It's just um, a very short printed set itself. And then finding it, it's just going to be hard. Uh, and then finding it in good condition is even harder. Okay. All right, so Ric Flair, that's three solid choices. What about uh, what about number four, The Rock? What do you got uh, the for The Rock, him? I mean, uh, me, 88 WWF Superstars by Comic Images. I mean, uh, it's the obvious, most desirable card. The autograph, the autograph. Mm. Uh, it goes for big money. I mean, anything that has Rock's name attached to it is going to command some sure. sort of attention. Um, it, I, I think that people kind of overlook the two base cards that he's on in that set. He's on cards number eight and 15 in that set. And uh, those are, some people will argue rookie cards. That's such a really weird term to use in yeah, our hobby. For sure. um, but they're fairly inexpensive and there can be easy to pick. I'd pick them up wherever you can find them. Uh, those ones, uh, guys will talk about the 94, you know, Miami Hurricanes card. Me, I'm a little more of a purist in the wrestling aspect. So I don't really gravitate towards uh, a particular wrestler's I'm sports affiliation. Yeah, I, so, I'm not interested in that either. It, it's obviously a huge card of his sure. and could, it could potentially be one of with, with the right, um, you know, moving parts that could be one of the first wrestling type related six figure card. Wow. Um, it's gotten close. I believe one of his cars, like a PSA 10 hit 90 grand at once. Oh man. I did not realize um, that it was that high, but, but it's, um, you know, it's, but it's football. It's not, to me, it's not right. wrestling. Yeah, that's exactly um, how I would look at it, too. Uh, same with, you know, like a Scorpion King card. You know, it's, sure. it's not the same for me. But, you know, people forget about that and uh, the Scorpion King stuff. And there's that. Too. And it's in Doom. Doom's got the only autograph card of his is Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, that's right. I've heard you talk about that on World's Collide because his, his autos are really, really rare, right? Yeah, it's very limited. Like the last one, last one that he did that's, you know, uh, an authentic uh, card that I'm aware of would be that Doom card. Okay. He did one. He did one for... Uh, obviously the 98 superstars from comic images. He did one for ink, uh, both for ink works for all three for ink works, actually, which was doom, which was Dwayne Johnson. And he did, uh, the rock from mummy returns and scorpion King. Okay. So, right. but, uh, and then you have 97 panini sticker. Okay. Uh, people kind of look at that as his rookie card. I, I don't really wear it where you get the word card out of sticker, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Hey, it, to me, it was kind of a flavor of the month. It kind of really got a lot of interest for a few months there. It peaked at like a, you know, you know, God bless uh, Rob England for hitting that 33 K on that, uh, that PSA 10 of that sticker. But those things have come down so much. So, but you know, time will tell on the sticker, but sure. bottom line of it's rock. Anything with his name on it, highly collectible. Just pick it up. Yeah. All right. So the rock, uh, at number four there, moving on to number three, probably one of his greatest rivals right there with him in, the, in one of the biggest eras sure. of wrestling ever. Stone Cold Steve Austin, what do you got for him? For a man that, who made probably more money on merchandise than anybody else in that company's history, um, uh, which is, uh, I guess, a proven fact, I guess. I mean, everybody had 
316 shirts and everything like that. But, you still uh, see him everywhere yep. they go. And I think it wasn't even that long ago that he was still topping the WWE shop charts, probably because of the WrestleMania sure. uh, appearance. But he's still topping the charts, which is unbelievable. But but you would think for a guy with a mat, who's, he'd, be a, he'd be a massive hit when it comes to collecting for cards. But I, I think he's grossly undervalued. And, and I could say that about any number of talents, sure. by the way. But for someone at his, his level, uh, you know, the top of the top, you know, arguably again, he's in your top five, and I bet you he'd be in many people's top five, uh, even on the sure. Mount Rushmore of wrestling, probably. Yeah. Um, it, it's you know, how is he not uh, uh, transferred into cards as 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 you know, big big numbers? You know, I mean, yes, he doesn't have the global you know uh, movie background like a rock does like that, but I mean, the dude in the, in the wrestling community is like one of the biggest names you're ever going to get ever. And I mean, ever. I mean, um, outside of like. I mean, his transcendent stuff that's come out the last few years, I mean, it's done very well, but I mean, a lot of names have done very well with transcendent. I mean, it's transcendent stuff as far as modern stuff goes. Um, you know, even his earlier, you know, rookie first appearance cards are, you know, they're all very affordable. And I think they should be picked up whenever you can get them. Uh, you know, I doubt you're going to see any rock type numbers for his early cards, mm -hmm. but his uh, ROI, man, is on him is going to be nothing but positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you already said it. I mean, he, there's a reason he sells as much as he does, but I, this is a common thing that you've talked about with Zan. Um, it's strange how wrestling fans will collect and buy so much different type of merchandise, action figures, you know, whatever it might be, or you know, collecting the, sure. the replica titles, but they don't yeah. seem to really put the money into the wrestling cars, and he's probably a really prime example of that. He can yeah. still top the charts for his T-shirts, but his cards still aren't, looked at the same for whatever reason isn't that weird though because you can go look at like go look at wwe's top 10 uh uh talents uh, you know who who occupies the top 10 for selling merch like that mm -hmm. but rock isn't in there right right he's not in there i mean again again he's not directly in the wrestling sure. business any, anymore like he used to be like that but some of these you know stone cold isn't really either other than his like, little appearance but you know rock's yeah, made a yeah. couple of appearance over the years too coming back sure. and you know wrestling scene and stuff like that but um stone cold still sells man it's just it's incredible it's mind-boggling to me like, he doesn't uh, top uh a lot of the big the big sales yeah i agree all right so moving on to my favorite wrestler of all time brett the hitman Hart. what do you think about his cards anything that stands um, out to you Come on, eighty-seven tops or OPG. I mean, I go for the I go for the OPG before you go to the tops, but you know that's basically been deemed his rookie card. For I can't sure. really think of anything else. Um, you know, and it, what I really like about him the most, I think, um, and still undervalued. Uh, it's expensive now more than it used to be, but that ninety-nine WCW NWO Nitro set that came out with his autograph card uh, on card signature. One thing about Brett, Brett has always had one of the cleanest, best-looking signatures in in the hobby. It's it's um we there was a conversation I don't remember who posted it actually just recently on Twitter where they were asking you know what would you rather have somebody that just does their initials like Seth Rollins or somebody who scribbles their whole name I forget what the example was and uh, I mean without question I would go the initials but man Brett spells out the entire Brett Hitman. Dot, There's dot, the four dot, dot, dots. Yep. For the for Hard. the kids. Yeah. Is that what it is? Actually, I never knew why yes. he does all, the four all of his, dots. His, his, his all his ring worn gear will have the four hearts on it. Four dots. Da, 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 da. It's all representing his four kids. Oh man, that's a that's a a poor fan fun fact I did not know. <laughs> uh, but not only is he spelling out the whole name, doing the four dots. The H is always done with the with like the the nice uh, swoop yep. to it. It's it's 
pretty you, you, autograph. You never, you never uh, will have to question it. Is this a Bret Hart autograph? Right. Really? Yeah. yeah. You never have to question it. Yeah. If somebody, I mean, it's he really him and um, I, I talk about Sandy Koufax on the baseball side. A guy who's you know. I think he's in his 80s or whatever it is. He still signs so much stuff and still so clean in the cursive Sandy Koufax. Yep. You really got to like give kudos to guys who are who are willing to do that. Um, yeah, absolutely agree with you. Yeah, there's one. a lot of guys that I've worked with in, over the years, uh, talent wise, like you know everything from like in the movie TV. Like I don't know, you're probably too young to remember who he is, but Richard Roundtree. Uh, he's familiar. He's the original, he's the original Shaft. You know, from from the 70s yeah. like that uh, has an incredibly beautiful looking signature. It's just amazing, and uh, it doesn't even fit on stickers. Unfortunately, I remember doing a <laughs> I remember doing a yeah. sticker deal with him for, with Leaf uh, back uh, years and years ago, and uh, it was like, how am I supposed to put my eyes like write your big R, the big old T right across? <laughs> I mean, you, you got to make it work, man. And and but it's just a beautiful, clean signature. It's not just like this, you know. Or in some case, like. Have you seen the Velveteen Dream? Remember that wrestler Velveteen yeah, Dream? Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's just a, it's just a, a line. Right. A line. That's all, yeah. all it is. A line. Yeah. It's. I, I listen. I get when you're signing. I don't know how many things you sign. Thousands of things. Thousands. And, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so to see. I mean, someone... I mean look, look at look at the values. I'm sorry, I cut you off there, but look no, at the no, values of like like uh like the TNA so that came out by Pacific in 2004. Perfect example is Dusty Rhodes autograph. Uh, and having having met the guy shortly after that set came out and questioning him about. Why is the majority of your autograph cards in the set just has DR, DR, <laughs> DR? He goes, brother, they had me go and have to do so many signatures like that. It's like after the first 50, I just said, F it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why it's hard to find a full signature version of him sure. as opposed to find DRs. Ah, that's that's cool, man. I love that that little story. That's awesome. He he man, he's got some legendary sound bites. One I just recently heard was about his muffler. I won't talk about that here, but people should look that up if they haven't, yeah. uh, yeah. they haven't heard it. But, uh, I, it, real quick on the Bret Hart notes though, I do, I, that WCW card is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I'm one day want to be in the market on that. Cause I think right now it's, it's about an eight to $900 card, maybe a thousand raw. Um, somewhere in that range yeah yeah uh which is outside of my budget the sports card nobody budget uh but one day that's a man it's so clean it's such a cool photo yeah. one day i'd like to add that to the pc i've got a lot of nice brett stuff but that's that's one that's eluding me so far but that's a uh, legendary series of cards that tops put out back in, the, in that day man 98 99 101 different cards over spread over three different sets you know pack pulled Obviously, right. we have all of our you know backdoor type stuff but, sure um uh yeah it's just it's a who's who man i mean it back is. Then, who's who it's, it is it's a, incredible it is a monster set and again i was a wcw guy when brett came to wcw that to me i was over the moon excited <laughs> to have my favorite wrestler now coming to my favorite organization you know even though it didn't go so well for him in wcw yeah. whatever but that set really is unbelievable so yeah, yeah. I, I i agree with you on that card big time uh but all right let's move on to the number one on my list and on probably most people's list the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan. I know the Babe Ruth of wrestling. The Babe Ruth of wrestling. What do you What do you think about him? Uh, I mean, you and I mean, you and I and anybody else, we could do a whole show just talking sure. about the, his long history, obviously. But you know, and and tie it all into trading cards too, if we wanted to. I mean, uh, I mean, he's the clear winner in value for the wrestling all star card. Well, him and Andre, it's kind of neck and neck for that. Sure. For that, for that, that sir. Um, um, you know, even though he's got earlier cards than that, I mean, namely he's got you know the uh, the eighty one Poppy cards which are super hard to come by out of Japan. Uh, you know, they were, um, you know, inside, you know, action figures out there. It's like that. They're just, just super hard to come by. So when you see them, they, they command, you know, a lot of money. Mm, right. Um, 
He's had so many autograph cards over the years as well. I mean, he signs a lot. He signs a lot, but you know, for modern, uh, you got guys like Zan sitting on stuff like that. I think even Drake might be sitting on one too. Uh, you know, that, that 2013 Upper Deck Employee Only Exclusive Precious Metal Gem. Yeah, that card that is. is a, that's a modern day grail for a lot of people. Yep. And, and it's almost like a you know the hashtag if you know you know yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Because I think a lot of guys just uh, who are maybe just getting into the hobby or might have been in the hobby for a while but don't know a whole lot about maybe some of the more modern stuff right. uh, may, might overlook that because it's it's a beautiful card um, and it's it's a must have if you are a super Hogan collector. I mean, yeah, the precious metal gem that that just that name that brand name whatever that insert name mm -hmm. it's legendary in the hobby. And now you have the most legendary wrestler on that card. Yeah, there's they're super rare too with the employee only ones, right? Is there like yep. 25 of them or something like that? Uh, I thought it was more than that. Wasn't like 150 or something like that, or 100. You know what? Maybe uh, it is more than. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm. I mean, I'm that's still limited. That. That's still limited, though. Super I mean, limited, yeah. And that's the that's the beautiful thing about well, that's that's the thing that people need to understand about wrestling cards too. They're also not mass printed and produced like other sports. So where you have right. millions of a particular type of card available for whatever and whatever it may be, I'm sure you know, throwing out uh, the difference is, is is a lot between what you can buy for any given release of baseball versus what you can buy for any given release for WWE. Yeah, and um, and tack on the the demand for a Hulk Hogan. You, you, sure. We just talked about there's not the same demand for whatever reason for Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Hogan he has that demand. He has that fan base that's bigger than just wrestling collectors sure. I mean, people who don't care about wrestling they know who hulk hogan is and people who want to collect stuff are still going to want to get his stuff so that demand really outpaces you know what he's got there, there's a name on on the top five list that if i was going to do my top five like I, I i can sit here and say you know what Shane, i totally agree with your top five man <laughs> sure except except i'd have to remove one okay and that one it? could be any i don't know sure. i actually I, I don't know who i'm going to remove but okay. i know who i would insert okay and I would put in, I've been, and if you've listened to my podcast with, uh, with Zan or even uh, the WTC TV once like that, I have been advocating this particular person for well over a year now. And it's got, it, it's Vince. You got to have Vince uh, in there. Yes. Vince I, McMahon I, yeah. has been grossly undervalued for so long. And God bless Drake, man. He had the keen eye and, 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 and know with all to go out and pick up that Vince. And I still think he got a deal on it. The uh, oh, just I, the, I, I, the what do you the, pay? The, like, the uh, transcendent superfractor. I think it was ten. It was in that area, but it was the transcendent yeah, twenty twenty one superfractor. Yep. And Auto. it's like I and I and I think and I think he uh, I think he got a great deal. I mean, because man is who he is. He's what seventy some odd plus years old, it's like that. Right. Yep. I uh, I mean, I'm not advocating or you know looking forward to anybody passing of away, course. but but right. from a you know an investment standpoint, when you have to kind of weigh all of your options on what's going sure. to you know give my my highest return, uh, that's something you have to equate. And uh, you know he's no spring chicken, so I don't care how much a machine he is, you know doing whatever he does. But uh, people for, overlook him, and they've overlooked him forever. So I would say. Uh, anything in his, obviously people want to go after that, uh, you know, that 85 or 86, whatever it is, uh, 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 card of his, you know, where it's not, it's his name on the back of the card. Doesn't mention his name and my name on the back of the car where he's interviewing Hogan. Um, there's that card, but hell, I mean, 
he's been in a lot of cards. I mean, Fleer did a whole McMahon, you know, uh, part of the, uh, and, uh, their set. You can get Linda and Shane and Stephanie and Vince all together. <laughs> there's a lot of Vince cards. Uh, there's, there's a definitely a good number of Vince cards, but nowhere near the number of talent there is out there, of course. Sure. But I, I not a lot of autos, though, right? Correct. Like, yeah, I would say combined. I think Paul from the Price Guy. I were just talking about that yesterday. Like, no, maybe this morning he messaged me again. Like, I just missed out on another Vince McMahon autograph. It's the only one saluting him with a Vince McMahon autograph card of who oh. he wants. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I, I, I'm just going too cheap on. It. I'm going too cheap, and he keeps missing out on it. And um, he says, like, I think there's only like. 250 total autograph cards of him wow. spread out across different releases wow. if that number is true or not because he's not he doesn't have any number to 100 right yeah i mean the transcendence i think the most was up to 25 right 25 or 50 there's 50 total in the sets like yeah. i mean base sets i mean so maybe 50 right. is the max number on something i don't know um man it's it's just when you start adding up all of his autograph cards out there it's just not a lot. And you take all of his stuff and you go like the trading card database and put his name in there. I bet his doesn't even pump out as many different cards there are as you would of Shawn Michaels sure. or Hulk Hogan. Sure. Or, so I think there's um, there's definitely some some even short term, even long term value when it comes to Vince McMahon, because that's that's the man that good, bad or indifferent, you know, right. made us all fans of of wrestling. Right. He hey. was wise enough to do what he did, wise enough to put that title on Hogan wise enough to go and you know push stone cold i mean just luck or not doesn't matter yeah it it's doesn't whoever, matter right whoever's name in the letterhead at the end of the day they're yep. the ones responsible yeah you, you <laughs> take the the credit and you take the blame when it goes yep. wrong and yep. vince had a lot of down periods but if without him we don't have wrestling yep. at anywhere close to what it is he completely yep. revolutionized it and you know when i give hogan the credit for revolutionizing the, the industry twice I mean, I don't know how, I mean, McMahon legitimately revolutionized everything. I mean, yeah. anybody who doesn't know about what he's done should absolutely go do a little bit of history on what he did with the territories and, and pulling everything into what we know of wrestling today. Which is a great segue to this comment, by the way, and that is uh, history. Like, I've never professed myself to be this history buff when it comes to wrestling. I know what I know, and that's all I know, and there's a lot of guys out there. Zan knows way more than I do. Uh, he's probably forgotten more things than I know. Huh. Um, uh, there's a lot of guys out there who know a lot of wrestling history, um, whether it be a specific era sure. as a whole, title history. Everybody has, again, their lane and that kind of stuff. So, And I think cards, trading cards for wrestling – in addition to bringing that nostalgia feeling to it, is also a good conversation piece of where someone can get educated about yeah. wrestling in its history. I, I completely, completely agree with that. But, uh, but all right, Tony, we're we're going a little bit over our time here. That's okay. So I want to uh, I want to let you go now. But that was absolutely incredible. Everything I was hoping for. Before I let you go, though, let everybody know where they can find you, what socials, wherever you want people to go, go look you up. I just give them the one place, man. WrestlingTradingCards.com. All of our information, how to contact us, all of our social media presence is all found at the bottom of every single page on that site. So just go hit it up. Absolutely phenomenal. Again, Tony, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I can't wait to chat with you again. This was better than I had hoped. You have yourself a great night, all right? You too, man. Thank you so much. What a fantastic and fun conversation that was with Tony Vela. Tony, thank you again for coming on the show so many great stories, so much knowledge. This guy truly is an expert, whatever, whatever word you want to use in the wrestling card aspect of our hobby. And I really look forward to chatting with him in the future. But ladies and gentlemen, 
This might be the longest episode I've ever had. Thank you for sticking it out if you did. There's a lot to chew on, a lot to take in. Very wrestling heavy. I promise I won't always be this wrestling heavy, although I keep promising that. And yet here I am. It is what it is. It's my damn show. But thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next week.